Welcome to Originality, the podcast where we talk about and explore the roots of creativity and creative genius. I am one of your hosts, Aline Sims, and I am joined by my very good friend, Kay Tempest Bradford. Hey, Tempest, how are you? I'm all right. All you know, right. I just got off a cruise and I've been doing some stuff. You have your land legs back? I I finally do. And also, I have gotten rid of the, the bacteria that came with me from the sea. Yeah, that People was... People see bacteria. Yeah. <laughs> That's the problem with the cruise ships. You're like, beautiful time, all the food you want to eat, norovirus. Yep. <laughs> Not that I actually got norovirus. Please don't sue me. Royal Caribbean. <laughs> It's just a cold. It was just a cold. Uh, but yeah. before before the cruise experience, um, you and I were together. We were together at the XOXO Festival. I got so much one-on-one time with you. I was very greedy about it, and I'm not going to apologize. <laughs> no, it was great. It was amazing. I'm so glad we got that time. And with other people, too. So mm-hmm. for people who don't know, do you want to talk about, because this is your first time going to XOXO. Yes, but I've, I think you should explain it because I people kept it. asking me, and I was like, I don't know how to explain this. <laughs> so XOXO is a conference slash festival where internet creators come together and there are people who give talks and there's also a lot of um, time to meet new people and bond with the people that you already know. So it's got like the traditional single track conference element to it where you're just going and sitting in an auditorium listening to people talk about experiences or share ideas. But there's also this other component where it's they have um they have social hours, they have uh, board games, they have an arcade with up-and-coming video games that you can play and try out. Tempest might want to talk about one of those. Um, they have food trucks. Um, and so it's just kind of this, this really cool environment where creative people can kind of come together and talk and commiserate and get to know one another. Yeah, and and the kind of people who come are like creative across a lot of different disciplines. I mean, I know that on this podcast we have like tried to not focus so much on specific types of creativity, um but also like the creativity that comes with being an app developer or being a software designer or, you know, being a person who just likes to like play with their spoons. Whatever it is that makes you creative. And so like the kind of people who I met at the festival all seem to be, they're very heavily into digital lifestyle. So like they're very much on the internet. Um, a lot of their jobs or a lot of their creativity um, is very tied up in the digital, but they weren't only digital people. Um, I especially love that about the folks that I met in the gaming room um, because, you know, they're all in there like playing tabletop games and I think there was some LARPing going on somewhere. Oh, I'm sure. I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure. entirely sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I appreciate it. It was just like a very sort of wide swath of creative people. Yeah. Yeah. And it's such an interesting, I hate to use the word vibe, but it's such a great vibe because it's, um, I don't know. You just 
you just know, you know, there are some conferences that I, I go to, especially as a person who kind of really uh, lives and breathes tech the way that I do, you know, and I, I go to conferences and it's like, oh, I don't really, I don't fit here really. And with XOXO, it's, it's just like very much a, a, a much more comfortable experience where it's like I would go up to somebody and talk to them. Um, I, I was going up and talking to people with shirts on that I recognize um, where I wouldn't necessarily, even though I would recognize more shirts at a tech conference than at XOXO, like I wouldn't, I don't do that at a tech conference, you know, like, hey, nice, you know, nice whatever nerd podcast shirt. Uh, but I was totally doing that at, at XOXO because it, it's just like, it was a lot more comfortable for me to be there. Yeah. So um, Aline and I, we had different tickets to the conference because mm-hmm. there is the festival ticket that gets you like into like the, the general festival area. So like you can play the games and you can like go to some of the like live podcasting that happens and um, stuff like that. But then there's the conference ticket, which is twice as expensive. Um, and the conference ticket gets you into the auditorium where the talks happen. And so you can watch the talks like from outside of the auditorium uh, as they're happening. But if you want to be in the auditorium, if you feel that you need to be in there in person, um, then you pay extra. Yeah. I think you get, you may get something else with, with conference. I'm not entirely sure. This, like I said, or like Aline said, this was my first year. Uh, so I decided to go for the full conference experience. Um, so yeah, but I enjoyed it. The full, yeah, that one really is mostly you get to be in the room where it happens basically. Whereas, um, with the festival of pass that, uh, that Justin and I had, it was, we could watch the talks from like auxiliary rooms, but the tech wasn't necessarily reliable. There was, um, one of the talks that I was very, very looking forward to seeing was, uh, like first thing Sunday morning. And there were so many audio issues with it. So I'm going to have to watch it. The cool thing about XOXO is like the talks themselves are posted, um, in the weeks and months after the conference. So you can actually go look at past, watch past conference talks. Um, and so I'm, I'm excited to go see like the pieces that I missed of Jakara Smith's talk because, um, she was just like, we got the blue screen of death on a projector. <laughs> so oh, no. It was so sad because that is sad. Yeah, she was one of like she was. There were two talks that I was dead set on seeing this year, and hers was one of them. And so it was kind of a bummer when the tech broke down. But you know, it's fine. I'll watch it later. But well, one of the interesting things about the the talks um, as they emerged was that there was a theme. And um, from what I understand, this wasn't necessarily a planned theme. Um, But very often, I feel like this happens where you get a bunch of people together who are involved in intersecting spaces, and you start to discover that they're going to talk about intersecting things, but from different angles, which is very interesting. Um, And so a lot of the stories this year, and I think that this is true for many years, just given the audience that comes, um, but like a lot of the talks this year were about things that go down on the internet that are not okay Mm -hmm. and how they uh, relate to a person's creativity and output and ability to deal. And there were only a few talks that didn't really go deep into that. Um, There was one really interesting talk from a couple of people who 
decided to live on a boat and like live exclusively on a boat. And for a stretch of like several months, they were without any internet because of where they were in the water. And I was like, oh, that sounds lovely. No. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds great. I mean, I, I think that I could deal with four months away from the internet, but not be able to deal with being on a boat that I was very new to sailing as they were and be without the internet because I'd be like, is this normal? Let's look it up on the internet. No, there is none. I'm going to die. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm pretty sure that would be my thought process at all times. Um, so yeah, so, so there's, their talk was not so much about <laughs> the dangers of the internet. Yeah, I couldn't, uh, as introverted as I am, so when Justin got his new job and um, had to do training for it in April, he was in San Francisco for two weeks straight. And uh, I was pretty good, like pretty much didn't leave the apartment until like maybe day 11, I started getting a little bit antsy. And I was like, oh, I, I at least need to walk to like the grocery store or something and talk to people who aren't, who don't live in my computer. But um, yeah. you live in my computer, Tempest. I don't know if you knew that or not. Um, I try. I but, fit in there so easily. <laughs> but um, I could, I do not know that I could do... 40, you know, over a month, five or six weeks out in the middle of the ocean full of death uh, (laughs) without any access to anyone else. That would be too much even for me, I think. Yeah, it would just it would be a bit much. Um, So, yeah. But one of the things that I came away from the conference with was a renewed or strengthened, uh, not idea, but like it just reiterated a lot of the stuff that I had been thinking about in terms of community and community building um, that we talked about actually um, a few episodes back with uh, the the interview I had with my my collective. Um, Love the artist collectives, but, Mm -hmm. you know, other like looking at other kinds of community as well. So one of the, one of the things about, XOXO is that once you have registered, you get access to the XOXO Slack. And it's a giant Slack filled with hundreds of people, or is it like thousands of people? It's a lot. I I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) It's a lot of people. And it's like anybody who has been to any XOXO festival can come into the Slack. And so because it is a Slack full of like billion people, Um, There are lots of different channels, and some of the channels are centered around um, things like, oh, writing, zines, art, you know, whatever. And then there are private or locked channels that are for identity stuff. So queers, people of color, you know, whatever it is. Um, And so I had been sort of avoiding the slack because (laughs) there were so many people. (laughs) I was just like, there's so much people. Almost 4,000. I just looked. 3,805 people in the (laughs) announcements channel, which is, I think, the only mandatory channel in that slack. Ah, Yeah. Yeah. So many. Yeah. So, yeah, it's that's, oh, my God, so many people. 
But uh, in the in the week leading up to XOXO, since it was my first one, I decided to go ahead and start dipping a toe into the Slack just to sort of like let people know that like I was coming and I was new. And if they saw me, like maybe they would be like, hey, you're that girl. Um, and the thing I discovered was that uh, in the in several of the channels, there were meetups scheduled on the first day of the conference that were specifically for people in those channels. So there was like POC meetups and um, writing meetups, podcasts, you know, like just there are lots and lots of different channels. And so there wasn't a meetup for like every single channel, but a lot of the like most populous ones, there was a meetup that was like on the schedule, you know, so you could just go. And then there were some meetups um, made in the private channels that were in addition to the official meetups that were on the schedule. And so I went to those and I ended up making friends, which like, so here's the thing. People think that I'm an extrovert and that I enjoy talking to people. These things are Mm -mm, lies. mm -mm, Um, No, I am a shy, awkward nerd and I am an introvert who fakes extroversion very well. You do. I may have even said this on a podcast at one point. Um, And so anytime I'm going into a situation where I'm like meeting a room full of completely new people, I'm just like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. Now, when I go to a science fiction and fantasy convention, that is alleviated a little bit by the fact that like, we're all there because we're all giant nerds and we're here to talk about nerd stuff. And so it's a little bit easier to like go up to people and start talking to them. Cause like there's a guy wearing a Batman shirt and you can go up to him and start talking about Batman. And then you have a thing that you're talking about and it's fine. Like we don't, you don't have that in like regular social situations. People invite me to parties and I'm like, nobody here is wearing like an X-Men shirt. I don't know what to say to any of them. <laughs> and so this is why I don't go to parties. Mm. Um, But what was nice about the XOXO meetups that I went to was that I I knew already that I had something in common with the people because it was like a meetup for a channel, right? And so I could go up and I could just start talking to people about whatever thing was that we were like all there gathered to like deal with or or to interact about or whatnot. Um, The writing meetup was great because a whole bunch of people there, it was like a meetup of people who were in the writing and the zines and the art channels. And so got a lot of people bringing their art. I like, I read so many awesome zines. I watched people make zines right in front of me. That was really awesome. And it gave me something to like talk to them about, even though I didn't know them. And, and what I appreciated about this is that in a lot of the, the conventions and other sort of convention like spaces that I inhabit for the last few years, I have been the one who has been organizing things like POC safer spaces and POC dinners and, you know, whatever things like that. And to be able to go into a conference where there was already a POC space and there were already POC space organizers and they like I, I only had to come in and just like experience it and benefit from it. That was really nice. And it was also like, you know, I, I knew that I could be in community with these people because they existed in a space where there was already a POC space set up and it was private, 
And if somebody had complained about it in the past, I didn't know about that because nobody was complaining about it in the presence. Everybody just acted like it was normal for that to be there, which it is. And it was great. Mm -hmm. So I just appreciated, you know, how at the very least XOXO like created these spaces for people to be able to like come together and meet each other already at a level, right? Like you already know if you go to the writing meetup, the other writers are going to be there. Go to the POC meetup, everybody's going to be POC. You go to the whatever meetup, the people are there to like talk about that thing. And I think that that's a really important part of building a community because you're not just building a community of people who can come to this con or this festival. You're building a community of people who come to the festival, find their groups within that festival and feel safe enough to stay and hang out. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because those meetups started just like community meetups because I think the conference didn't officially start until Friday evening, which is st still the case or, um, or something like that. And so people who got into town a little bit early started kind of self-organizing into groups that, that could meet up. And then the Andes who were, um, Andy McMillan and, um, Andy Bayo are the people who started and who run XOXO. They saw this happening and they were like, Hey, that's really cool. Let's just make it an official part of the conference. And so it is. And I think that that's great. It's one of the things that I love about XOXO is that the Andes are really open to feedback and very responsive if there are things that they can change um, immediately. They, they'll do it if it's reasonable. Like I... Um, I, I'm not very kindly on the, um, there was some kind of question on the registration form that was worded in a way that made it seem like it was optional, but it wasn't. And I was like, also, you shouldn't use this word that indicates that it's not a mandatory field if... Um, it's not actually mandatory. And so then Andy Bayo pinged me in Slack like a couple days later. And he was like, thanks for that. We changed it. And I was like, nobody's going to actually read it. Folks, they actually read that stuff. So I felt a little yeah. bit bad, but I'm always really appreciative uh, to them because there have been a couple of things that have happened at the conference where I've provided feedback and they immediately were on it. And I'm really, really appreciative of that. I mean, I just, I, I think that this is part of creating communities where people feel safe and heard is like being that responsive to feedback um, and not just sort of being like, yes, we'd love to have your feedback. And that feedback goes into the black hole mm -hmm. of time where it is never heard from again and nothing ever changes. Um, so yeah, like I, I feel like there are a lot of conferences and conventions and festivals and things like that that could really benefit from more of this type of community, not just community building, but like community fostering. Um, because it's not enough just to foster the community of people that come to that thing. You know, you also have to foster all the sub communities that are going to be a part of it. Um, and you also have to foster a way for the organization to be responsive. And, you know, that's not necessarily easy let's say when the when the event is very big and you have a lot of people who are in charge of a lot of things but i feel like a lot of people who who 
are organizers, I won't say a lot of people, I will say that there is, there's an attitude among some organizers that they don't really have to deal with feedback until it's a crisis. Yeah. And that is very problematic because then you just move from crisis to crisis to crisis. Instead, like if you put it into your workflow and made it a priority to respond to everything and to try to work out problems before they become a crisis, guess what? You get fewer crises. Crises? Crisis. Crisis. <laughs> yes. Crisis. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and I think that it's something I, th- I think props go to, again, to the Andes for like year over year seeking to do better. And already, like already every year. So this is my third time attending. I'm blown away by, again, that responsiveness and that openness to feedback. And every year they make changes and they make it better. So like even the first year I went was already phenomenal. And then they continue to iterate on that. And also they hired a diversity consultant for maybe it was the second conference um, to come in and help them really overhaul a lot of things. And I think that foundation has really been great for them um, because it gave them something to build on and then um, something solid to build on, you know, because it's a lot easier if you're, you know, you have that solid foundation. It's a lot easier to build when you've got a great foundation to begin with. If your organization is built on misogyny and exclusion, it's a lot harder to make institutional changes uh, that are adequate enough to create a welcoming environment. And so the fact that they, that this was important to them from the beginning, I think really shines through too. Yeah. And it it makes it, you know, the kind of space where you want to come to share the things that you have done creatively, because you know that it's not a space where just like a bunch of jerks are running around, like being jerks and patting themselves on the back for like, I don't know getting everybody together in a field yeah, yeah. <laughs> with some food trucks. Uh, yeah. Although the food trucks were very good. Support your local food trucks, people, because that food was amazing. Um, that Vietnamese, so, yeah. oh, that Vietnamese truck, <laughs> so good. There was anyway. so many good things. Yeah. Um, and, and so, yeah, like I, the people that I met, like pretty much 100% of the people I met, I was like, wow, you're like an actually interesting person that I would love to know more of. Like I didn't meet any jerks. I know that there was like one jerk apparently there who like did something. And so he got kicked out, but it seems like every year there's one person who just doesn't get it and they get one kicked person out. Sneaks in yep. and they're like, I'm just going to be a secret jerk. And then they're like, go away and you can never come back again. So yep. hooray. Um, but yeah, like, because I just, I was meeting so many people who just, they were, they were doing all sorts of Awesome, interesting things. But I, the other thing that actually has been like, I've been pondering a lot lately is how, how it, I guess it's not necessarily easier now, but it seems like it's easier now. And you and I were in this conversation um, to, to see like all the possibilities for doing cool stuff with your creativity that, that may not have like seemed like a possibility 20 years ago or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for instance, the Jakara J. Smith, who went by Sailor J on YouTube and who 
got, you know, went viral with her makeup tutorial videos <laughs> in which she was like, social justice in a makeup tutorial. Yeah. You thought you were coming to learn how to put on lipstick, but really I'm going to tell you about how terrible it is that there are like horrible things happening in the world because of prejudice and racism. And, and then that like, she put those up not to go viral, but because she like wanted to make her younger sister feel better about herself because like some boy had said something nasty to her about makeup and um, also teach your boys to, to not make comments about girls wearing makeup. Just tell them not to make comments. Yep. Anyway. Um, so she did that. She went viral. She used that viral moment to like say some things that she felt were important to say. And then like that viral moment led to her like being cast in a television show. And she hadn't, necessarily thought that she wanted to be an actress but like that opportunity came along so she grabbed it um and but then she talked about how her audience was then like we liked it so much better when you were being funny and smart but now you're just like being pretty and acting and that's not what we want from you and she's like excuse you but you don't own me yeah and and it's just like a really important discussion of sort of the dangers of viral audiences or or letting your audience dictate to you, like who you are and what you should be doing um, with your life. Like not just with your stuff that you put up on the internet, but with your life. But also I think it, it exposes this whole other thing where a lot of times artists, I think are like pigeonholed into the thing that people know that they do. And they're like, well, you just do that. And it's like, oh, but I want to do these other things. They're like, no, you just do that. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pause here and say that while I don't feel that that is a good thing and, like, many people who, like, are really good at writing are also good at other things. Like, you could be a multi-talented artist, and that's fine, but actors should not be uh, in bands. Jeremy Renner. <laughs> Jeremy Renner shouldn't be in anything. This is true. Russell Crowe. So anyway... <laughs> But, David Hasselhoff. But, oh my God. So anyway, so what are so what are your thoughts on that, Aline? Um, other than the fact that David Hasselhoff should stay away from a microphone. You know, so Jakara's talk specifically, and I, I wanna say I only watched four talks the entire conference. So I have a lot of catching up to do when the videos are released. Um Jakara's talk specifically really had me thinking about so you said that a a theme of community was very prevalent for you this year. And it was for me too. And the thing that really, um, that I was really thinking about with her talk is the, um, the relationship between people who make things and their audience, um, and how it, it goes both ways. So she was talking about how, you know, her audience was upset that she, one, she stopped making YouTube videos um, in large part because of YouTube's transphobic policies um, and the fact that they take videos from trans people down um, and, you know, shadow ban accounts. I don't know if they shadow ban accounts, but like trans creators are very, um, openly discriminated against, I guess is what I will say. 
And she was like, I can't participate on a platform that does this. Um, but so her audience was like, not only have you stopped making YouTube videos, which is how I started to know you or how I got to know you, but also you've completely jumped the ship and moved into acting, which I don't think is a leap by any means. If you watch those those videos that she made, she's very clearly acting. Um, but also she talked about... Um, the way that people look up to content creators and, um, you know, talking about like, if, if I don't know, um, I don't know, famous YouTuber, I can't think of one right now. I don't watch a lot of YouTube famous YouTuber told their followers to jump off a bridge. How many of them would actually do it? And so I appreciated like her thoughts on the interplay between, um, between those two things and how how creators and audiences feed off of each other and how dysfunctional sometimes that it's not even a relationship, but it feels like a relationship and how dysfunctional that can be. Um, and so yeah. I've, been, I've, I've been thinking about that a lot. I don't have any like, you know, glib takeaways or anything, but just kind of as someone who is... I wouldn't say that I'm prominent by any means, but I do have a little bit of cachet in a very small, specific space, like very small, specific space. But thinking about that relationship that I have with people um, in the relationship that they have with me and also thinking about what am I putting into the world? What am I contributing Um versus, um, what am I trying to say? Like, I've been thinking a lot more about like intentionality, I guess, and what, what I want to contribute to humanity, if that makes sense. No, it totally does. And, and it also makes me think about how there are a lot of times when really amazing communities have come out of people who like all follow the same person who does creative stuff that they like, right? Like, or, or people who are all like into a thing, like a fandom, right? So you have people who are like, I really love Supernatural. And then they like find a website with other people who really love Supernatural and everybody's loving Supernatural together. And it can like create like really strong bonds between people. It can create really beautiful communities. Um, I mean, I guess Supernatural is probably a bad example because there are a lot of aspects of the Supernatural fandom that are not okay. Um, but one aspect of the Supernatural fandom that I do find endearing, like I'm not in it, but I see things from the outside and I'm like, hmm, I, I don't know about all that. But the thing that I, I do like is how um, they, you know, they love one of the stars from the show, Misha Collins. But I don't know. Anyway, we're going to get so many letters from like supernatural people. How do you not know? It's Misha, whatever. So anyway, Misha uh, does this fundraiser every year. And I forget what these letters stand for, but like the acronym spells like gish wishes or something like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But even though I cannot recall the exact name, et cetera, et cetera. um, What's really great about it is he's like, fans come together and like do these creative things and like have this scavenger hunt and like create these things so that we can raise money for a really good cause. And the fandom comes together and does that. And it's not just because like 
you know, one of the people from the show told them to, but because like they are a community of people who like, who enjoy discussing the show with each other and also enjoy like doing things together. And even though there are some like not so great aspects to it, there are some really wonderful aspects to that community. And so like you can have that, but I think that, yeah, we've, we've had this thing, we've entered this phase in which some people are doing that with creators who literally like went viral yesterday and suddenly they're like a community in the comments and then they're demanding things. And you're like, wow, wait a minute. That was zero to 60 in like less than a week. Right. And, and like, then you get to the point where there's always like some point where the fandom starts demanding things of the creators. And then it's like, okay, now (laughs) we're, we're reaching the end here, the end of the usefulness of this um, because of that. And and yeah, like it's it's just a really odd thing to like have have an audience who like at once looks at you like you're a celebrity and they and they sort of like have you in their minds. They put you in in the same mind space as they do a, another celebrity who's like a television actor or a singer or whatever. But then because they have that access to you because they're in the comments underneath your YouTube videos that you look at that you made and you uploaded and suddenly they're like, "Well, you have to do this or I want you to do that" or like they expect a direct connection. And it's it's not always healthy. And I think that the tools at our disposal are what foster the unhealthiness more necessarily than the fact that there are like tons more unhealthy people out there than there used to be. I don't think that that's the case. I think it's the tools that have made this unhealthiness possible. Yeah. Yes, I totally agree. It's problematic. But at the same time, you that ready access means that you have access to people's beautiful creative output all the time, which is wonderful. Like the number of things that I've seen on YouTube that I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad that this exists in the world. I mean, like Sailor J's videos, like, you know, cause you would have never seen that on television, right? Like that's not the kind of thing that would have been on anybody's television, you know, at any time in the past, but it's on YouTube and it's, it's wonderful. Like mm-hmm. the, the videos that she created were wonderful. Um, yeah, so like I'm I am torn by these two extremes of it's so wonderful that we have these tools now so that we could see this creative output and oh no, these tools have created unhealthy connections and relationships to people that other people don't know. Yeah, and it's so hard because we we live in such a celebrity hungry culture that um you know it, it's it's just difficult it's difficult like people want to be celebrities people want to hold others up as celebrities and it's just a lot it's a lot I um I think about if something happened in our show if originality picked up like a huge audience, like on the one hand, that would be great because with a larger audience there, I mean, there are so many benefits for a podcast to have a large audience. Right. But on the other hand, it's really difficult because you open yourself up to a lot of feedback and criticism and ridicule. And that gets really difficult and complicated to navigate sometimes. Yeah. But still, we need like a million subscribers. Yes. Yeah. I mean, 
tell people about originality. Yeah. Um, we can we can figure out how to navigate the complicated stuff, but we'll deal with that later. <laughs> yeah, we'll deal with that later. Um, the and and the other thing that I think ties into that is also again speaking of community and uh, Mickey Kendall's talk specifically, she talked a lot about falling back on the people who love and support you, like um, you know. Say that thing, that thing you want to say, you say it in a group chat. Like you don't say it, don't, don't say the inside part out loud basically. And, um, find, find a group hearkening back to one of our previous episodes, find a group of people who will love and support you, who not only will, will lift you up when things are kind of crappy, but also who will support you in a way that they will tell you when you're messing up, um, but like find find a group and um and lean into them. And I think that's been the most thought-provoking thing I have taken I took from the whole entire conference because I don't have that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is because of me and my trust issues. Like I'm very intentional. I'm I'm very open publicly, but I'm also very intentional about the things that I share. And, um, so finding a group of people to trust beyond what I'm already public about, that's a really scary thing for me. Yeah. And and sometimes with those, it's like, it it really is just a matter of knowing who you already are like cool with, um, before, before you can like, go. Oh, maybe we should be in a group together. Um, yeah. I also think that like, there are a lot of differences in, um, how community is built based on your culture. Um, you know, like also talking about like subcultures or, or like microcultures within a larger culture because um, right. So Mickey Kendall's talk came after the lunch break. Before the lunch break, we got a talk from Lindsay Ellis. And Lindsay Ellis is another person who is like a YouTuber. She goes viral a lot. She has done, um, she does a lot of like film criticism essays in which she like, you know, delves really deep because like that's, that's what her degree is in. Um, and so she's like done a lot of like digital media stuff. And in her talk, she was discussing an incident where she was um, attacked basically by a mob of uh, Nazis online um, because of something that she said on Twitter. And so they were like, let's dig up dirt on her and try to get her fired from her job and incessantly tweet at her. And it was like a coordinated attack by like, you know, thousands of people or at least thousands of accounts. Who knows? There's probably like five guys and a monkey. Probably, yeah. Um, you know, cause that's usually the way it is because yep. they like to make themselves seem bigger. But, but Lindsay, when she talked about that, she talked about how that incident really isolated her from her friends and strained her relationships with her, with her friends and her loved ones. And that there was only one person who really stood up for her in that whole thing. And that was Hank Green. And like nobody else stood up for her in that way publicly. Mm-hmm. And I was like, huh. And I, I thought about it over the whole lunch break. I was like, this poor girl, like who are these friends? She needs better friends. And then Mickey gave her talk in which she was discussing, you know, some of the times when 
people had come for her, right-wingers of different stripes and whatever. And the difference seemed to be that Mickey had this support network, but it was a support network of women who were mainly women of color, but not all women of color, um, who, who, first of all, like, and, and I, I'm in this group of people because Mickey has also been like in the support, you know, crowd for me when I needed it, when like, you know, online, uh, trolls and right-wingers and stuff came for me. Um, but we like all sort of came together in very specific online spaces. And then we all had many of the same experiences of having to like fight the same fights, whether we were looking for those fights or not. And so when it's like, oh, are a whole bunch of people trying to come for Mickey over this thing that she wrote uh, in this article? Let's get on Twitter and make sure that everybody knows that if you mess with Mickey, you mess with all of us. Oh, is like somebody coming after other woman um, who's in our group and, you know, over something that she said that was true, then let's make sure we, we're not, we need to all get on Twitter and make sure that everybody knows you mess with her, you mess with us. And, and we all did that for each other. And Lindsay talked about people being afraid to publicly interact with her and stand up for her because they were, because they knew that like this, these people who were coming after Lindsay would like look at who interacted with Lindsay and then go after them. Like whether or not those people even like said, Hey, quit messing with Lindsay. Or if they just said, Hey, good morning. Like I have a teddy bear for you, whatever. Mm -hmm. They're going to go after those people. Right. And so I understand the unwillingness to want to be attacked by a giant mob. But I also know that like, I mean, we were all aware that that could happen to us when Mickey was attacked, when our friend Sadet Harry was attacked, when I've been attacked, when whoever is attacked, like everybody who's in our sort of squad knows that, yeah, it might be that those people will come after us because we've said something, but there are a lot of us. And that means that, you know, those of us who can handle it, they're like, okay, I have, you know, the, the, the time, the emotional fortitude, whatever, at this moment to be a person who stands up and says, mess with her, you mess with me. And so like, yes, there's going to be a wave of whatever, but I can handle it. And some people who are like, well, you know what? I can't handle it this week because last week I stood on the front lines. It's like, cool, you step back, you take care of yourself. We will, you know, those of us who are able to can step forward. And so it's like, not only is it about having friends, but it's about having a lot of friends who are all ride or die. Yeah. And that's hard. Like it's, it's not necessarily easy, but what I was really shocked by was the fact that like, I know for a fact that Lindsay Ellis is friends with a lot of very high profile privilege having people, but only one of them came forward at that time and was unabashedly like, I am standing up for Lindsay Ellis. And I'm like, Hmm. I mean, it just, yeah. it, that says something. And, and, you know, I think that, you know, if you are a person who is doing any kind of work that challenges the status quo, and this includes artistic work, then you have to be prepared for that kind of harassment these days, which is really depressing because like, I mean, I don't know if there's ever really a time where you could just do the work and not have to worry about these things, but it does seem like there is a lot more coordinated harassment going on now than there, than there had been in the past. Gamergate. I know, right? It's, I'll invoke the name. Gamergate wrote the playbook 
Well, actually, that's not even true. Gamergate got their playbook from earlier stuff that actually happened in the science fiction and fantasy community. Okay. A lot of the stuff around the sad puppies and rabid puppies and whatever, that was the template that Gamergate used. We were the testing ground for that particular strategy. <laughs> Congratulations. Right? Super exciting. So it's like, yes, yeah, so we've had to, you know, at our section of the creative world, like had to learn how to deal with this. We didn't as a group deal with it particularly well. Um, and it's what allowed them to go like, look, this can work. And so like part of, I just really feel like these days being, being a creative person who does anything that is worthwhile and meaningful means that you're going to also have to deal with this kind of attack at some point, whether it's on you or whether it's on somebody that is close to you or whatever. And just having a squad, having people that you really like trust, building that by getting to know people and figuring out ways to to know if you can trust them. Like sometimes it's just knowing people for a long time, right? Like you can't build that kind of community overnight with like people yeah. you met yesterday. So, so yeah, but it's like, it is an important part of the creative process. I mean, I guess we've been saying this a lot, but just like knowing a lot of other people who are creative is an important part of the creative process. Like it just is. Yeah. For a lot of reasons. Yep. And that's where conferences like, well, conferences in general, I think are good. Um, I think this is where Twitter is so, is such a trash fire, but this is where Twitter shines is it helps build community. Um, Things like Reddit can help build community. And it, I think that's what makes it so frustrating. Social media is so frustrating is because there's so much good that can come out of it. And these these like evil people just continue to exploit it, which is a whole other topic. But if you can find community in those kinds of places and start getting to know each other, I'll tell you... Twitter has been 100% of what has gotten me to where I am now from like a community standpoint. Um, when I started podcasting, I had, I think, 200 followers on Twitter. Nobody knew who I was. The people I'm friends with now who, um, the people who listeners of this podcast probably think of me as being associated with had no idea who I was, you know, and it's because of Twitter that this podcast exists. It's how Tempest and I met. It's how I met my best friend. Um, it is how I know so many people in kind of the Apple tech community, which is where I work. It's how I know so many podcasters. It's all because of Twitter. And um, it's a different thing now than it was three, four, five years ago even. But there are pockets still there. And maybe Twitter's not your thing. Maybe it's it's Mastodon. Maybe you're on Micro.blog. Maybe it's something else entirely. But there, is, there are people out there. You just have to put in a little bit of work to find them. Yeah. And sometimes it does mean going off to a festival like this, although, well, yeah. maybe not a festival like this, because this one is very expensive. It's, <laughs> and yeah. sometimes like that, that is the real hang up. It just seems like the only way to find your way into a community 
is to be able to like go somewhere and meet people in person at a conference, at a convention, at a festival, at whatever. And that can cost money. Like, I mean, if you're lucky enough, Worldcom might come to your town. Hooray. Um, If you're lucky, there might be a convention that happens in your town or in your area every year that you could go to. Um, But that's not necessarily true for everybody and it doesn't work for everybody. And so, yeah, like I feel like it used to be much easier to interact online on social media in ways that was beneficial more often than it was detrimental. But I'm kind of worried about the fact that that does not seem to be the case anymore. Like the more I have to deal with Facebook and whoa, have I had some dealings with Facebook lately. And I just, I don't want to be on it. I don't, I don't want to interact through it because it's just like a pain in the butt. And Facebook has gotten in the way of me connecting with the people that I know and like more often than it has connected me to people. Like, how is that a good thing? And Twitter is just a garbage fire right now. It is. It totally is. I can't. I can't go into Twitter and like, I kind of think I maybe want to go back to Tumblr, but I don't know what's going on with the ownership of Tumblr. That worries me more than like whether or not I'd be able to find my people on Tumblr. And that's really the theme. Yeah. So instead go to expensive festivals. Yeah. And that's a challenge. I mean, XOXO, they do what they can. They provide scholarships, but not everybody who applies for a scholarship can get one. Uh, they have hotel, um, like discounted hotel rates. The only reason I've been able to go is because now that I'm in Seattle, I can take the train down and that's not too expensive. And I stay with friends. Um, because yeah, otherwise even, even Seattle to Portland is, um, you know, you're looking at what is it? A thousand dollars for the full ticket and or seven fifty. Well, for two people. Yeah, and then um and then 200 nights $200 a night at a hotel plus food plus, you know, everything else. And so it's it's it is it gets it gets complicated and it adds up really quick. But I I will say this. Um sometimes even just going to one of these things is going to be valuable enough that it not necessarily I would say like save up all your money for this, but look into what opportunities there are for scholarships because that, um, you know, if they're offered, not everybody gets one, but you should at least apply. Yep. Right. For sure. Um, cause I'm, I'm also thinking about, I, I mentioned that I just got off a cruise. The cruise I just got off was the writing excuses cruise. Um, I have been staff member, um, and or instructor on that cruise for four years now. And one of the things that, I most appreciate about it is that there is a scholarship fund, um, one that is specifically for bringing people of color to the cruise, um, and one that is for um, financial people who cannot afford to come on the cruise, and and that's open to anybody. And each year, there's at least two of each. Um, I'm hoping that uh, the, the alumni will raise enough money this year that we can actually bring like a total of six scholarship students, That would be great. um, which would be wonderful. Like basically just the, the more, the better, but I, I'm also very passionate about this because having been on this cruise for the past four years, um, 
you know, the people who listen to the Writing Excuses podcast, they're the ones who mostly tend to come. Um, although like other people have found out about the cruise in like various ways, like for instance, like many of us tweet about it. Um, and there, and people are like, Oh, I've never heard of that podcast, but like that cruise sounds fabulous. And they come and they get to be part of this wonderful community of writers who we all come together. We're all in a boat. We're all like taking these classes and going on excursions and like having, you know, community time together. And it's not just about you coming and learning from the instructors and whatever. It's about you coming and learning and meeting other people who are, you know, on that same journey with you and be and being part of a community with them. And like the community isn't for everybody, but the people who like have come and stuck together and have come back every year and hang out in the alumni discord and on the alumni Facebook group and whatever, it's really nice to see them having that because then they, they have access to a lot of the stuff that, that we've been talking about. You know, you have access to support, you have access to, people who who get you. You may even be able to find folks who you can feel that closeness with, who you can be like in a little micro community with um, and and be able to have those spaces where you can like share everything and not just, you know, the, the things that are okay to be put in public. Um, you know, I just, I really love seeing that. It's one of the reasons why I have been really happy to come back as staff on the cruise every year and why I support the scholarship program for that cruise and for other things, because I just feel like it's so, so important. Yeah, I totally agree. And if you have the means and you hear about something like this happening, see if you can donate to help a scholarship happen. Yeah. It's like you know, giving giving more people opportunities to have that if they can't afford it, it's, it's just really the best thing that you can do. Yeah. It's important. It is. Um, well, before we go, do you want to tell people about the game you liked? Oh. I wish I'd taken a video. I wish I'd taken a video. <laughs> As Aline said, uh, there was a, a, a place where we could, like, demo um, up and coming or in development video games. And there was one video game. It's called Calico. And... It is, it's still in development, but it's basically magical girls running a cat cafe. And so like you play a character, she's a magical girl and she's like running around in this forest and there's like a giant cat and she can like get on the giant cat and then ride it around the forest. And there are like Mm. small cats Mm. and you can pick up a cat and you can also put a cat on your head and you can also have a cat on your head, pick up a cat and get on the giant cat and ride around the forest. And so that is what I did (laughs) because for a long time, it was the best. It was so fun. It was so amazing. Um, the, it was such a good time, but like, yeah, like I, I had never, I hadn't heard of this game. It, it was kickstarted. Um, and so like they got money, I think for some of the initial development from their Kickstarter campaign, but I'd never heard of this game, but now I want to have this game. I want to live inside of this game. <laughs> I'm so excited about it. And, and yeah, like that, that was like one of the the great things because I feel like, again, like we've gotten to this point where like, Nobody had to, there, there wasn't like some executive somewhere who was like, well, that seems worth developing because you know, if you took that to some executive somewhere, he'd be like, she rides around on a cat 
And what does she do with the cat? She takes care of them in a cat cafe and she <laughs> and puts she, the cat on her head. That doesn't sound like a Bible yeah. game. <laughs> right. <laughs> and but meanwhile, I'm like, that concept is 100% what I want in my life. And so because of, of me and other people who like saw the beautiful value in putting a cat on your head and running around with a giant cat, <laughs> that game is going to exist. Like it, that game is in development. It exists. It's going to exist in a real way where you can play it on your computer and I will be at the front of the line to buy it. <laughs> I love it so much. <clears throat> so yeah, so that's it. That I, if nothing else, I got to have XOXO, the cat cafe game with a cat on my head. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was, I mean, the game was super cute, but it was a lot of fun to watch you play the game. (laughs) That's like my XOXO highlight. Um, Besides that, what is your XOXO highlight for 2019? Um, I really do think it it was the, the walking into the different uh, community spaces, like the, the meetups for different communities and feeling welcome enough to meet people and to, to get past my shy awkwardness, I made actually quite a few friends um, and people who live where I live, which is, which is awesome because like, so sometimes it's like so sad when you like meet somebody kind of like, you're my best friend. It's like, well, you go back to your side of the country and I go back to mine. (laughs) We will never see each other in person again. Um, So, so yeah, like meeting people, who who were like in my community as well like that was really wonderful so yeah like i just really value like all the people that i met and the their art and creativity that i discovered that was really like what made xoxo for me yeah it's it's a good thing all right well i think that's our episode um if you would like to find us elsewhere you can find uh the show on Twitter at Originality FM. You can find Tempest at Tiny Tempest. I'm Aline. Um, if you would be so kind, tell people about the show. Um, we would really like to grow our audience, uh, <laughs> despite some of the misgivings that we may have. We would <laughs> like to grow our audience so that we can have um, more higher profile guests. It would be amazing. We we wrote a wish list. We wrote our like guest bucket list at XOXO. Yes. And so one of the ways that we can make that happen is by having a larger audience that um, that might appeal to some bigger names of people we admire um i think that's yes. all until oh, next wait. time oh wait wait one more thing one, one more, more thing. bit of homework for you guys if there is um like a scholarship fund or some kind of fund that you know about that um allows people to go to different festivals and conferences mm. and conventions tweet at us about them so that we can tweet at others and say, please donate to this fund. Um, because we want to do what we can to make sure that like these things, um, have enough money so that they can bring enough people, more people opportunities to come into communities and, and have those connections. It's very important. So if you know about any tweet them at us and we will retweet. Yes, please. And until next time, Find community. <laughs> <laughs>